Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of the Auburn Undercover Podcast. My name is Nathan King, Auburn beat writer for AuburnUndercover.com, part of the 24-7 Sports Network. Um, and we're recording here on this Sunday night. I haven't talked to y'all um, in a little bit on the podcast. And the NFL games just wrapped up. Uh, Super Bowl, obviously, in a couple weeks. And there's going to be a little bit of Auburn flavor in that game. Um, two guys, obviously, who are very important to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers who are going to the Super Bowl playing in their home stadium down there in Tampa Bay, Carlton Davis and Jamel Dean, uh, both of whom are huge players for that Tampa Bay defense. Carlton Davis in particular has played pretty well this postseason. Jamel Dean hasn't been bad all year. Either both of those guys, really good cornerbacks there. Um, so a chance for two of them, two former Auburn guys. Every year, you know, you get a few of those guys. Auburn's pretty well represented um, in the NFL. Every year, a few of those guys get a chance um, to get a Super Bowl ring. And, you know, there's always a high-profile quarterback. There's always somebody leading the way. And so it'll be Tom Brady on the NFC side, obviously coming over from spending a long time in the AFC with the Patriots. He wins the NFC in his first season there. So the Auburn guys for him on, with the Bucks will have a chance to bring home a Super Bowl title and, and get themselves a Super Bowl ring. On the other side, the Kansas City Chiefs, n- nobody in the AFC game um, between the Bills and the Chiefs, there wasn't any active Auburn players on either of those rosters. But this is something that kind of, I guess, was, uh, was kind of missed by a lot of people. It was missed by me until just a few days ago that the Chiefs signed Prince Tega Winogo, the former Auburn offensive tackle. They signed him to their practice squad. So... I don't really know how that works. Do practice squad players get championship rings? Um, <laughs> but if the Chiefs end up bringing it home, then I guess uh, Prince Tega would be a Super Bowl champion. And then if the Bills had gone, um, it would have been Duke Williams, the former Auburn wide receiver. Um, he is on their practice squad currently for Buffalo. I know he was playing for them normally on their regular roster for a while, um, but right now just a practice squad guy. So a little bit of Auburn flavor there. You know, we don't talk about the NFL much on our website or on this podcast or anything like that, but it is, was the big thing that happened on Sunday. And so whenever the Super Bowl does roll around down there in Tampa, uh, be on the lookout and see if Carlton Davis and Jamel Dean can bring it home. So we got a little bit of news to talk about. It seems like, you know, last week, I believe it was on Thursday. Yeah. Thursday morning, Brian Harson, Auburn's new head coach, finally completed his staff, something we had been waited on for like four weeks um, I mean, it wasn't as crazy as the head coaching search. Obviously, nothing was going to outdo how wild the, the Auburn head coaching search was. But the assistant coaching searches had a bunch of twists and turns as well. Um, a lot of guys that sort of, you know, we, we knew pretty, pretty early on, you know, Mike Bobo was the offensive coordinator, and we you know, kind of caught wind of that, and that became uh, – that came to fruition. Obviously, Derek Mason, the defensive coordinator, some guys – coming out of left field just a little bit, like Cornelius Williams, the wide receivers coach from Troy. And the other one to me that, you know, that just kind of came up one morning and all of a sudden he was the defensive line coach, I think the next day, was Tracy Rocker. And that is the guy who was in the news on Sunday. Um, According to Pete Thamel of Yahoo Sports, he tweeted out that uh, Rocker is expected to join the Philadelphia Eagles staff um, in the NFL as their defensive line coach. So, Uh, Auburn, apparently Brian Harson's staff is not complete. Uh, He, you know, last Thursday wrapped it up with the hiring of Burt Watts, who 
coached linebackers at Memphis. Now he's better known for being Fresno State's defensive coordinator. He and Harson went head-to-head in the Mountain West. Um, so he, know, he knew Burt Watts' defenses really well from when his boys, the offenses, were going against Fresno State's defenses, and their defenses were really good. So we thought it was all wrapped up. That was the point of Brian Harson's press conference with us, his meeting over Zoom with us last Thursday. That was the whole point. Was to, It was almost like a signing class recap going over everybody that you signed. Um, he was going over all the assistant coaches. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> Tracy Rocker is apparently not on board. I mean, he signed a, or he, I believe he agreed to an extension with South Carolina like a week before he left for Auburn. And now he's been signed at Auburn. I guess not signed, but I don't, I don't know what. I guess he agreed in principle. Um, somehow was able to get his way out of there. So that'll be interesting to see. You know, there'll be no way of knowing, you know, except for Auburn um, responding to public records requests that we always file for things like this. But um, it'd be interesting to see if Auburn was responsible for his buyout at South Carolina, if that's something we'll ever find out, only for him to come here and spend two weeks here and then bolt for the NFL. Obviously, none of this is official. So, you know, it could be completely wrong. Although Pete Thamel's a great reporter and there's no reason to think. I mean, he was the one who was first reporting Brian Harston being Auburn's head coach. So um, obviously nothing official from Auburn yet. Um, we reached out Auburn Athletics. They didn't, they didn't have a statement or anything like, on, like that on it. Um, so, but it does appear like Brian Harston is going to have to get back on Zoom, get back doing some interviews, get back vetting some coaching candidates for the D-line position. Rodney Garner, who held that position for eight seasons, um, arguably arguably the most decorated defensive line coach in Auburn history. It looks like he's going to be joining Tennessee's staff. Obviously, Kevin Steele is the interim coach there right now. So who might Auburn go after for that defensive line position? I, you know, I'm weary to even consider doing <laughs> talking about different candidates for that because it seems like all of these positions with the exception of just a couple, even when the head coaching search was a thing, Brian Harson came out of left field for most people. Um, so I'm, I'm hesitant to even talk about anybody, but um, I mean, if, if there's a few that might make some sense. Um, I know Brick Haley was a guy that w- was linked to the job and then obviously didn't end up getting it. Now he's, he was Missouri's defensive line coach and it was just last week that Mizzou um, decided not to stick with him. I believe the terms were just that they parted ways. So he's not a Missouri anymore. Um, they, yeah, he's a good, he's a good candidate. Um, he's a good SEC defensive line coach. Uh, Jimmy Brumbaugh was Tennessee's defensive line coach. He was fired during the season and there was a lot of people around the SEC um, and even some around Tennessee because all of this stuff with Jeremy Pruitt is coming about and people are just kind of saying whatever's on their mind. Um, they were pretty surprised. They kind of thought he was a uh, he was a little bit of a scapegoat there. That they just kind of used him to, you know, talk about some of the problems that they had, even if it wasn't necessarily his fault. So Jimmy Brumbaugh might might be able um, to be a candidate here. He's a guy that um, you know Tennessee. He's going to have the SEC um, experience, and then obviously it's going to be an Auburn guy. You know, um, he went to Auburn. He was freshman all SEC. Um, he had 80 tackles as a sophomore. Um, pretty good player. Um, he didn't do. Uh, he didn't stick around in the NFL. He went undrafted um, and then started his coaching career. Really um, started getting into the into the you know thick of his coaching career with Kentucky in 2013. He got on there as their defensive line coach, and he's just been bouncing around as a D line coach 
ever since then. So that's somebody that maybe some people are, are linking to this job um, or just, I guess just kind of talking about um, obviously an Auburn guy, just like Tracy Rocker was um, again, not official. He's still technically on board. Nothing from Auburn yet. Just like Tracy Rocker, just like Zach Etheridge, just like Cadillac Williams, just like Rodney Garner. Um, so if you're tired of all the Auburn people over and over again, <laughs> Brumbaugh is not going to be somebody that you want. Um, but I think that'd be a pretty decent hire. And then Tosh LaPoy, um, who's with the Atlanta Falcons. Um, that's kind of a, I feel like that one's probably a little bit of a stretch um, for him to kind of take that step down um, and come from the NFL. He's been in the NFL um, the last few years. He was at Alabama before that as their outside linebackers coach. Um, he was defensive coordinator there as well. So, you know, we'll see if he wants to take a step down and come to a college job. But, you know, odds are, based on everything that has happened with all of these assistant coaches, um, it's not going to be any of those guys. <laughs> it's not going to be any of those people that we mentioned. It's not going to be anybody that anybody mentions for the next few days, um, if any of this ever becomes official by Auburn, or if all of a sudden they're just saying, They've hired a new defensive line coach. I don't know. This will be interesting. There there hasn't been a lot of um, traction on it today other than Pete Thamel's report, which, again, there's no reason to think that that's not something you should believe. You know, there's, there's no reason to say, oh, see, a reputable source. Um, he's not just going to throw out something that's going to end up being incorrect. So uh, Tracy Rocker seems like it's going to have one of the shortest, <laughs> one of the shortest uh, assistant coaching tenures at Auburn in a while because he is apparently off to the NFL. And so kind of on those same subjects, we did get to talk to Brian Harson last week, which was really nice. Um, not really something we did, obviously uh, it's a little different because of the assistant coaching hires, but uh, we didn't, we never talked to Gus Malzahn uh, before signing day. We never had kind of an organized thing. So if that becomes a, if that becomes something that's normal with Brian Harson, that'd be pretty nice to just kind of chat and catch up every once in a while. But this is our first time talking to him since his introductory press conference. Um, and things are a lot different talking to him this time, just because at your intro press conference, everything is, uh, you know, you just want to sound the best. You just want, I mean, everybody's got a vision and talk about winning championships and everything like that. Now, you know, all of this is to say, I thought Brian Harson crushed his introductory press conference. Um, but now you can start talking about, the day-to-day things that go on. He's been in the football building every single day for the last month, working his butt off with the coaching searches. Um, now signing day is on February 3rd, I believe, where they're going to try to close out this 2021 class. And so just some interesting things that we've already written about on our website, but um, just some things that he talked about. The one that I had been waiting on because I didn't get a chance to ask him about this the first time um, was who's going to call plays because Harson is a guy, obviously an offensive-minded guy, who in the past has called plays as a head coach. Um, and he said that's going to be up to Mike Bobo. Mike Bobo is going to be um, the play caller, the Auburn's new offensive coordinator. He's going to be the guy calling the plays on game days. Um, Harson said he's going to be, as a head coach, you know, installing the DNA, I believe was his words, um, installing the DNA over the course of the week. And, you know, he and Bobo, I think we've talked about this on the show before, but Harson and Bobo, really kind of share um, same philosophies um, for what makes an offense successful. They both are kind of that blend of multiple and spread uh, and kind of you look at their offenses in the past and what they like to do on individual plays as it pertains to personnel. Um, They're pretty similar in that regard. So Bobo is going to be the play caller. It doesn't seem like we're going to have 
the same back and forth. And that's, that's not really something that would be super noteworthy otherwise, but the only reason I bring it up is just because of the, the, the scarring that comes from uh, Gus Malzahn and how he, you know, gave up the clipboard for good and then came back and started calling plays again and then said, no, I want to be a CEO type, you know, overseer. And then he started calling plays again. So um, doesn't seem like we're going to have that. Seems like Brian Harson, at least at the start, you know, you never know what's going to happen down the road with future staffs, um, depending on how, you know, Mike Bobo does or, you know, who the next coordinator is, that kind of thing. Um, but at least for now, I don't think we're going to have any sort of back and forth at all this year. It seems like Mike Bobo is going to be the guy to call the plays and you're not going to have to worry about them um, doing any sort of, any sort of flip-flopping. Travis Williams is the other one that I thought was kind of the most noteworthy thing from last week. Uh, obviously, Travis Williams, linebackers coach at Auburn since 2016, he's not going to be on the staff anymore, um, we think. I mean, <laughs> it's like technically they're, you know, 99% because technically there is, there is going to be an assistant job open with Tracy Rocker probably on his way out to the NFL. Um, but that's going to be a defensive line job. It's just, I don't want to feed it at all. Um, I don't want to feed any more of the Travis Williams stuff uh, just because people were kind of clamoring for him uh, to get that job, to get that 10th job for so long. And you know what? Um, Harson just decided to go another way. And there is absolutely no doubt in my mind, and I think most Auburn fans probably share in this line of thinking that, I mean, Travis Williams is an absolute stud. Um, his linebackers were really, really good at Auburn for the last few years. Not only did they perform well on the field, um, but he was a phenomenal recruiter, one of Auburn's best recruiters, um, in getting those linebackers in. And then just overall, just an overall coach, um, just an overall guy who represented the Auburn program really well. And I think is going to be, I believe he's 38 years old now. I, I think he's going to be a head coach in the future. Most people kind of share in that sentiment. But um, the people who are sad about it, people, you know, who, who wanted to see him stay at Auburn, um, you know, we've seen in the past where guys have left Auburn and then come back later. So, you know, maybe he's a future Auburn defensive coordinator or a future Auburn head coach. But for now, I do think as uh, – as as much as Auburn fans wanted, a lot of Auburn fans wanted to see him back on the assistant staff again, it might be the best thing for him to go out and kind of stretch his legs a little bit, see what other options he has, see how well he would do um, at another program that's not his alma mater, see if he wants to coach maybe a different position. Maybe he could go to like a group of five school. Um, I saw him last week being linked, not linked, I guess, but kind of just a name to consider um, for the open SMU defensive coordinator job. So just, just a place like that, you know, where it's a different, uh, it's a change of scenery from Auburn and just see how you do there, you know, where it's different. It's not the SEC anymore. You're not at your alma mater anymore. You've kind of get a, got to get outside of your comfort zone. And those are the kind of things um, that coaches have to do before they are ready to become a head coach in the future. Um, so maybe, you know, maybe we'll see him back at Auburn someday, but you know, Auburn fans didn't want Brian Harson to be hamstrung through this whole process. And that was the biggest thing about that head coaching search was that, you know, Jay Goosh said it, Auburn's president said it, he's not going to be given any stipulations. He's not going to be told who he can and cannot hire. Um, so as much as a lot of people wanted Travis Williams, um, Harson going out and getting Burt Watts to fill that last position, Watts is going to coach um, outside linebackers and be the special teams coordinator. As much as a lot of people wanted Travis Williams, the Burt Watts move shows that 
Harson, you know, is going to get the guys that he wants to get. And that's a Mountain West guy, um, somebody that kind of continues the theme of coaches that Harson coached against at Boise State. Mike Bobo is another example of that, a guy who he coached against his offense at Colorado State there in the Mountain West and thought, I want to coach with this guy. <laughs> um, someday I want to, you know, be on the same staff with him. And a little bit more on Bobo, apparently this is from what Harson talked about with us last week is that um, he developed a good relationship with him when Harson was the offensive coordinator at Texas in the early 2010s. Um, and Bobo was still at Georgia. Apparently they were able to get a little closer. And then just some other notes on some other Auburn staff members that we hadn't had a chance to talk to Brian Harson about. I thought one that stuck out to me, uh, probably the most surprising hire um, to me of the 10 assistant coaches was Cornelius Williams, the new wide receivers coach from Troy. And the only reason I, I say he's the most surprising is because a lot of people um, really didn't know about him and he wasn't necessarily on their radar when it came to the wide receiver coach. You know, you're talking about guys like Brian McClendon from Oregon. You were talking about a Daryl Wyatt from UCF. Um, and so I asked Harson about it, you know, what kind of stood out about him? He's younger. Um, he doesn't really have as much experience. He's done very well. He was the wide receivers coach for six years at Troy. Um, he's never really left the state of Alabama. He was a player at Troy and then went to JSU and kind of just jumped up, I believe, UNA, North Alabama as well, and just, just kind of climbed the ranks, um, as it were, in the state of Alabama. So now at the point where he's Auburn's wide receivers coach, and I asked Harson, you know, what, what stands out about him? What was it in the interview process where, you know, he was able to separate himself from maybe a Morris, maybe a Daryl Wyatt, you know, maybe somebody who's a more experienced coach who you know a little bit better. Maybe, you know, Brian Harson knows a little bit better. Um, and his first thing he said was his focus. Um, he said he's a tremendously focused guy. Um, he's going to get locked in on the task at hand, whether that's with recruiting, because Harson did say he's a guy that they're going to rely on a lot for recruiting just because he was a player not to, I believe he graduated from Troy in like 2010. So not too, uh, not too long ago. He was a college football player himself. Um, and so just a lot of interesting pieces on this staff. Now, there is the theme, though. You've got you know, your Jeff Schmetting and you've got your Brad Bedell, who are from Boise State. You've got the SEC guys. You've got some of the Auburn alums, which now there may only be two Auburn alums, obviously, if Tracy Rocker is gone. Um, and then you've got the guys that Harson has coached against. You've got the um, Mike Bobo and you've got um, the new outside linebackers coach and special teams coordinator as well and Burt Watts. So um, there was really a blueprint, it seemed like, for Harson to work with here, and he was very purposeful in going and getting those guys. And then the other kind of, you know, set a, put a pin on your calendar um, and look ahead a little bit is spring practices. Harson said they're full steam ahead for spring practices right now. Um, they don't anticipate any sort of roadblock. Everything's, everything's on schedule. Everything looks like it's going to be ready to go. Um, it seems like it's going to be the same that it was with Gus Malzahn, where it starts in mid-March. That was the that was the date he gave was a mid-March start for spring practices, um, and he's working on setting um, an A day, a spring game date, right now. And uh, winter workouts start on Monday morning. You know, this this podcast is going to be posted on Monday morning. I, I'm recording it right now on Sunday night, but um, players are right now in their third week of the second semester of the school year. And so it's time to start winter workouts with the new strength and conditioning coach, new strength and conditioning staff. And that's something that Harson is really excited about because he's big on the strength and conditioning stuff, not only sitting here and talking about it and how 
um, important it is for the you know complexion of your football team for them to be um, you know athletically uh, mature past other programs. Um, he was a guy that at Boise State he was out there at five or six in the morning um, those you know crack of dawn workouts with Jeff Pittman, the same strength and conditioning coach who was at Boise and now follows him to Auburn. He was out there early in the morning with the players um, getting after it in workouts. So, uh, and it, you can go look up the videos. I'll just look up Jeff Pittman, uh, Boise State workouts, and you'll see Harson out there first thing in the morning um, getting after it with the players. So that's not something I would expect him to do right now, just because he's got a lot of stuff on his hands to be working on right now, still trying to set up the staff and still trying to set things up for spring practices. But down the road, maybe in his second season or something like that, um, when he's a little bit more comfortable and kind of has a system in place, uh, definitely watch out for that. That's going to that's gonna be something that could be very entertaining. I, I'm, I'm interested to see um, you know, the difference in the strength and conditioning program now because um, lots of guys have their different philosophies about how things go. Ryan Russell, um, the old strength and conditioning coach, had his vision for how that program was supposed to go, how they're supposed to work out and train every day. And Jeff Pittman's probably going to have a very different one. Um, but so far from everything we've heard, just what he's been preparing to do. Um, the rest of the staff has been very impressed with it. Um, and the players that have been keyed in on it so far have been impressed as well. So we're going to transition real quick. I'm um, talking about recruiting because, I, again, talking about the signing period, it's going to close out the 2021 class. It's going to be finished here in just a couple weeks. And I am not the best person to talk about recruiting because I don't cover recruiting. So I'm going to bring in Keith Niebuhr, our recruiting expert, um, here in just a moment. We're going to cut to just a little break, and then we'll bring in Keith, and we'll be right back on the Auburn Undercover Podcast. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. And we're back on the Auburn Undercover podcast, talking about recruiting a little bit in this segment with our recruiting expert, Keith Niebuhr. And Keith, kind of just your overview of this staff now that I know the, the Tracy Rocker stuff is happening, but technically the staff is complete um, who's the strongest recruiter on this staff right now, do you think? And, uh, and what are the things that the staff is going to have to get done on the recruiting trail to kind of prove themselves? Yeah, first of all, I, I would never call me an expert. I, I just I, – because, you know, you can never get your arms around recruiting. You can't. You just yeah. – you don't know. There's so many unknowns. And, you know, you only really know the guys <clears throat> you – you're never going to know what, how many guys total are being targeted and, Who's talking to who? I mean, you, you do your best, but uh, the alpha dog of the recruiter uh, of the of the alpha dog recruiter of the staff. Sorry, guys, I'm tired here. Um, I don't know who that's going to be yet. That may be to be determined. I mean, of the guys they've hired, Nathan, I think you can make the argument that Mike Bobo, a strong argument, that Mike Bobo's got the best recruiting track record by far. It's not even close. I mean, he signed nine five stars at Georgia. And I think was the primary recruiter on six or seven of them, six or seven of them, including Matthew Stafford, a quarterback who ended up going number one in the draft. Uh, another five-star quarterback, Aaron Murray, four-year starter at Georgia, set all kinds of records. Uh, <coughs> excuse me, Nick Chubb, uh, who you know crushed it at Georgia, and now is crushing it with the Cleveland Browns. I mean, Mike Bobo potentially could be your alpha dog recruiter. Of course, you know that was at Georgia. Uh, different situation. Every school is a little bit different. It's not that one's better than the other per se, but 
uh, there's different variables, um, you know, but he's got a, a, a really good track record, especially in the state of Georgia where he has so many ties because, you know, his dad was a high school coach in Georgia, a well-known high school coach in Georgia. So he's got that going for him. He's got those connections, um, especially in South Georgia. So I think Mike's a guy you got to look at. Now, uh, he left Georgia, I think, after the 2014 season, went to Colorado State as the head coach. You know, maybe one question is, you know, how healthy is he? Uh, I think he's probably fine. And, uh, you know, there was some health issues when he was at Colorado State, I believe. And, uh, but, man, that guy, you know, you look at the guys he's recruited, and it's, it's pretty dang impressive. I mean, you know. So not only can he be a lead recruiter on guys, Nathan. <clears throat> sorry, I'm tired and battling a cold. Uh, feels like I have an eternal cold. But he also, Nathan, can come in and provide ear support. So when Cadillac Williams is recruiting a running back, Mike can come in and help him out. He's the OC, and OCs will always do that. But Mike can say, hey, uh, Cadillac, uh, Cadillac can be your guy, and he, he's Mr. Auburn and an Auburn legend, and he's going to develop you. But guess what? I got Sony Michelle and Nick Chubb to Auburn. And so I know a little bit about running backs too. And kids know – Sony Michelle and Nick Chubb. They know Nick Chubb because Cleveland is now one of the hot teams in the NFL that people are really following closely. So those are the types of things that they can help. So I think Mike can be a, an A1 recruiter on his own and then also providing support to the wide receivers coach who is a, a younger guy, Cornelius Williams, to Cadillac Williams, to the tight ends coach, to Will Friend, the offensive line coach. So, you know, I think, I think he's going to be one. A uh, couple guys on defense, Derek Mason, obviously. Now he's been I always say this, uh, fishing from a different pond at Vanderbilt, they can't really land the guys that an Auburn can land, uh, but he's done very well um, at that. I mean, you look at Vanderbilt's record and you say, oh, how can you say that, Keith? But, you know, they've got a unique situation there, let's be honest. It's, it's a challenge, okay? So I think people think he's going to be a good recruiter. And one to really watch among the young guys might be the Zach Etheridge kid who you know, obviously played at Auburn on the national championship team. I've heard a lot of good things about him organization, hard work. Uh, then he can throw in love of Auburn, too, that he can sell like Travis Williams did for the last few years as the linebackers coach. So I think maybe he would be a guy to watch moving forward as a guy who could develop into an alpha dog recruiter. Uh, yeah, but overall, you know, you got uh, – it's an interesting staff, 11 guys if you count the head coach. And so far, if we include Tracy Rocker, I think five of them came from group of five schools. So they have recruited um, – it's a different talent pool. Let's be honest. Boise recruits a different talent pool. But at the end of the day, it's about relationships most of the time. I mean, there's you know, other stuff, obviously. But it's mostly about relationships, personality, and organization. And the guys that succeed at one school generally succeed at all the schools if they have all those traits. Speaking of T-Will, you may not have an answer to this. Do you get yeah. the feeling that recruiting coordinator, <laughs> what's uh, – you know, do you, do you kind of have well, – where that might yeah, I mean, go, what okay, look, yeah, I don't even know who's going to be the recruiting coordinator. I'm not sure it really matters. Honestly, Nathan, it's, it's one of those things that's more title than anything else. I'm not saying there's not okay. responsibilities, but that's why you have a recruiting department. You know, in 1980, you didn't have a giant recruiting department that a lot of these schools had. So your coach that was a recruiting coordinator really was your recruiting coordinator. Now it's kind of a title, like a way to give a guy an extra 50 grand on his pay, in his yearly paycheck. So I don't really necessarily think that's much – of great importance. Now, look, maybe Brian Harson views that differently, but that's why you have multiple people in your recruiting office, quite frankly. And, and, and we should point out the director of recruiting, Darren Usher, it, it, it may or may not be official by the time this, this uh, runs, but 
Uh, I mean, it's done. He's been working for three weeks. We're just waiting on the release from Auburn. I don't, I don't know what the holdup is, but I think they wanted to have their coaching staff announced first. But uh, that guy, Darren Usher, director of recruiting, he's coming from Boise State. He's got great familiarity with what Brian Harson wants, what he wants. Harson doesn't have to explain, this is what I'm looking for. He already knows. And so he can get out there and identify the guys, uh, give that first list of guys that the staff can then go look at and ev- start evaluating and start recruiting. And I think that's going to save them a lot of time. He's not going to have to guess as to what Brian Harson wants. You know? Now, obviously, they're recruiting at a different level, but the same skills are probably applicable to what Harson likes and likes to do to, to Auburn. Uh, you know, just maybe guys are going to be a little faster because it's the SEC, maybe a little stronger, but the same general types of players, you know. And, uh, you know, so I, th- I think they'll be on the same page, and I think that'll be significant. As the second signing period now is only a couple weeks away, we're almost wrapped up now with this 2021 class. Obviously, you, Keith, are going to, you know, start hitting it high gear on our website. But just kind of looking way ahead right now for the next couple weeks. Um, well, it's, it's February 3rd. I mean, it's, it's not yep. even two weeks away. Not know? even two weeks. Who are a couple yeah. guys? I know running back is a big one right now, and they're going to hit the transfer portal. Yeah, go by position because I'll, I'll forget. But running back, so yeah. if you're Auburn, you got two scholarship guys right now. Hank Bigsby and Sean Shivers. You, you right. need at least two more. You, you, you get into a season with three is hard. Okay. Three is hard because what if two are hurt? Then you only got one. And then you got a guy, you're either going to give a guy 38 carries in a game and the chances of a guy getting banged up when he runs it that much are high, or you're going to have to go air raid the whole game. I mean, you know, so they need four. So probably one in the high school ranks. And we think Jarquez Hunter out of Mississippi is the one to watch there. We're pretty sure he's going to end up at Auburn. Uh, class 5A Mr. Football, I want to say, or Offensive Player of the Year. He won one of those awards in the state of Mississippi. A lot of yards, 15, 1,600 yards. Also good safety. So maybe if it didn't work out at running back, you know, he could always go over to defense, you know, two, three years down the road or whatever. But we think he's going to end up in the class. They're working hard on a kid. Uh, and is this going to run a Monday morning? <laughs> Tell me when this is going to run, Nathan. Monday morning. We're, we're recording Sunday night. Okay, so Monday morning. Uh, Auburn will still be in the mix with a kid named Byron Cardwell, four-star running back out of Morse High School in San Diego. And I think he's announcing at 1 p.m. Pacific time, but we think it's going to be Oregon. Um, so, but you're getting one high school guy, that would give you three. So you could either maybe get another high school guy. I, if, they're, if they're recruiting another high school guy, I don't know who it is. You've got a whole new staff. It's hard to keep track of everything. Uh, or uh, transfer or grad transfer. We do know they're working on some guys in that market. And they'll, look, there'll be guys, just because a guy's not in the portal now doesn't mean there won't be more guys in the portal a month from now, two months from now, after spring practice. We know they've talked to Keontae Ingram of Texas, um, and there's a couple other guys. So uh, I think probably one high school kid and one kid in the portal. And, you know, four still isn't ideal, but it's, it's not bad. You'd like to have five or more running backs, quite frankly. But you can get by with four if people stay healthy. But, you know, Nathan Tank Bigsby's been hurt. Uh, Sean Shivers has been hurt and that would worry me. So you've got to get some new guys. So what do you want out of the transfer portal? The high school kid you'd be bringing in Jarquez Hunter is going to be green. He's going to be inexperienced. So in the portal, you need an experienced guy, not just a talented guy, but an experienced guy that you can trust and, and he can learn an offense quickly and you can put in there. Certainly a lot of options for Auburn right now. If you go and kind of peruse the transfer portal a little bit, Keith, appreciate you coming on um, and talking recruiting a little bit in this segment. Um, we're going to head to a quick little break and we'll be right back on the Auburn Undercover Podcast. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, 
you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Last segment of the Auburn Undercover podcast today. Wanted to talk a little bit of Auburn hoops because the Tigers, after starting 0-4 in SEC play, um, have certainly turned things around. And Sharif Cooper, obviously, has been a big part of that. The freshman point guard sensation has been playing really, really well. Um, in the five games that he's been cleared. And Auburn's now won three of their last four. So kind of you know, going from 0-4, and, and now they've won three out of four games. And Bruce Pearl and the entire team would tell you that they should have won four straight. They had a 19-point lead last week in the middle of the week in a game at Arkansas, 19-point lead in the first half. Um, and they let it slip away in the second half. And they were met with sort of a similar situation on Saturday. They played at South Carolina, a team – it only had eight scholarship guys available. Um, I believe this was only their eighth game of the season. Overall, they've been dealing with a lot of COVID issues. Um, even their head coach, Frank Martin, got COVID during the season. Obviously, Auburn still hasn't had a COVID case since July, um, which is pretty incredible. So I think in terms of total guys on the bench, Auburn was like doubling them up or something like that. Either way, um, Auburn played a great game. They were in a similar situation to the Arkansas game in the first half. I believe they were up 17 point, yeah, 17 in the first half against South Carolina. They were up 19 against Arkansas, and they didn't want to repeat their same mistakes and have the same things happen. When we talked to some of the players after the game, um, they said that was a huge part of the conversation at halftime was saying, look, you know, we're not going to let this happen again. Uh, we're not going to blow this lead again. We understand what we screwed up on last time, um, and we're going to do better this time around. And so, um, they came out in the second half, and they absolutely dominated in the second half of play. Um, guys were telling us that uh, assistant coach Stephen Pearl, Bruce Pearl's son, was a big reason why they were fired up at halftime. He said they really, he really tried to keep the energy up um, and make sure that, look, you know, they, they made a lot of mistakes in the second half against Arkansas, and they let um, Arkansas's halftime adjustments kind of trump theirs. Not the case um, today, or excuse me, not the case on Saturday absolutely blew South Carolina out of the water, 109 to 86. They won that game kind of running through the numbers. Auburn shot 52% from the game. They had 14 turnovers, which is still not an incredible number, um, but not terrible. 21 assists was the big one. 21 assists on 40 made field goals here. Um, more than half of your made buckets come off of assists. It was the first time since that Sweet 16 win over North Carolina that Auburn had more than 20 assists in a game played away from home. And then it was the first time in SEC play that Auburn had more than 20 assists in a game since 2017 when they beat Mississippi State. Um, and a lot of that came from Sharif Cooper. He was flirting with a triple-double there in the first half, but then in the second half wasn't really um, able to get that many rebounds. And I thought he had, look, he had 11 assists at the break. 
I thought maybe he was going to start challenging the single game assist record, which was set by Javon McCormick last year when he got 16 assists in a game. Um, but he ended up not really contributing a ton in either of those areas in the second half, but still um, his presence on the court, his ability to be a ball handler and a facilitator for this offense has completely changed um, the way that this team looks in the half court. And it's not just him. He had 16 points, uh, 12 assists and six rebounds, but two other guys played really, really well. All these, obviously Alan Flanagan um, is having a phenomenal sophomore season. Um, really just improving on the offensive end a lot. He was already a good defender as a freshman, but improving on the offensive end a ton as a sophomore. He had a career high 24 points on four of six shooting from three. He also added six rebounds and four assists. And then Jalen Williams, the athletic sophomore who has had a couple good games in SEC play already. Um, he had 18 points and he shot eight for 12 from the floor, also added seven rebounds. And in talking to Bruce Pearl after the game, um, backcourt play, especially without Justin Powell, them, them still not having him, um, the sharp shooting freshman shooting guard, uh, still not having him because of his head injury. Um, the guard play for Auburn is going to be really, really big. And talking about Jalen, or excuse me, Alan Flanagan and Sharif Cooper, Bruce said when those two guys are going and when they are playing with a lot of confidence and Alan's able to get to the rim and attack and Sharif is obviously facilitating like he was able to do and shooting the three ball pretty well. Um, Flanagan shot four of six from three. Sharif shot two of three from downtown. So he's starting to find his stroke a little bit. He had a nice um, step back three pointer in this game against South Carolina. When both of those guys are on for Auburn, when both of those guys in the backcourt are playing well, Bruce Pearl said his play calling options just get so easy in the half court sets because the transition game kind of takes care of itself. Um, especially with, the way that Sharif Cooper can find these guys in transition. I mean, he had, I believe it was Devin came. No, it was Javon Franklin um, was the beneficiary of a, just a sweet no look pass from Sharif Cooper. Um, but in the half court, I mean, getting these guys set up calling the screen rolls um, and having guys shoot at a high percentage from the three point line or having them be able to take it to the rack like Alan Flanagan and Jalen Williams were able to do, and Devin Cambridge, who's played well coming off the bench, another double-digit game for him as Auburn's sixth man. He had 10 points. Um, this team really starting to come together and look like a tough out in the SEC, and that's all you want to see out of this team this season because obviously they're not going to the postseason. And so right now you just want to play at your highest level because you know you need to develop for the future. Who knows if Sharif Cooper is going to be here next season. Obviously, Auburn's going to be really good next season. They'll have all these guys. Pretty much everybody on this roster will be back. Um, they'll be a year better. Plus, you add Jabari Smith, the five-star, and you add Trey Alexander, the two-star shooting guard. You're going to have both those guys. Maybe you have Sharif Cooper back as well. But it was going to be tough for these to say, oh, well, this is a development year. We're just trying to get better. It was, tough to, it was going to be tough to say that you were getting better if you were going to continue to play these games and really not improve. Um, and really not look great on either side of the ball. They still have a lot of stuff to kind of shore up on defense, but really they're starting to look like the team you would want them um, to be if you're an Auburn fan because you want to see that development. You want to see that growth. You want to see everybody on the team playing at a high level because then you think, okay, when the regular season's over, you transition to the offseason and you're remembering how well you played um, in the previous season. You can develop and get ready to start playing in the postseason again so a tough week coming up for them though um, really 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 tough week but uh, I mean the way Bruce Pearl is going to look at it is 
Um, this is a chance for them to go out and prove again that they are that tough out, that they are a team that has developed over the course of this season. He said it in the highlight video that Auburn posted today. Um, he said, we've got the talent to win out from here. Um, and that's, that's big talk to try to motivate the team, but they have been playing a lot better. Two ranked games this week, um, starting with Missouri on Tuesday. Missouri was ranked number 19 when they played Tennessee on Saturday. Now they went into Knoxville and beat number six Tennessee on the road. So I, I think the AP poll comes out on Monday. I'm recording this on Sunday night. It'll probably be out by the time you listen to this. But Missouri will probably be in the top 15. I don't see how you don't go up at least four spots when you beat a top six team on the road. Um, that's on Tuesday night, I believe it's 8 p.m. at Auburn Arena. Um, that'll be a nice homecoming for Auburn. So Auburn hadn't played um, a ranked team since they played Gonzaga, number one Gonzaga, in the second game of the season. They hadn't played a ranked team since then. And now they're going to play two straight. They're going to play Missouri on Tuesday, and they're going to go at Baylor, number two Baylor, um, which should, still should be ranked number two. They won at Oklahoma State on Saturday. Um, they still should be the number two team in the country. Auburn's going to play them on Saturday afternoon um, in the SEC Big 12 Challenge. So Auburn playing the number one and number two teams in the country this season. Already, You've already played Gonzaga. You got um, really handled by them early in the season, but Bruce Pearl's going to say, we're, we're chatting with him on Monday. Um, he'll say this team is looking a lot different um, than they did when they played Gonzaga. A lot more confidence, I think. Really, you looked at that Gonzaga game as, okay, you, you just kind of want to learn some things about yourself. And um, there was really no negatives after that game. I remember the players were just all saying, yeah, well, it was a learning experience. It was really helpful that we got to go up against um, a team that was that good. Now I think you're, you're past the midway point of the season got your five-star point guard back. Everybody's playing really well. You won three out of your last four games. You just scored 109 points on the road. You're no longer thinking, okay, well, this will be some good experience for us. You're thinking, no, we can go in there and we can make a statement. Um, We can win this game on the road. Obviously, Baylor going to be a huge favorite, but Auburn, I think, has a much, much better chance to win this game than they did at the beginning of the season, and certainly um, than they did even just a month ago before they had Sharif Cooper um, and before the team started looking a lot better on both sides of the ball. So Tuesday night at Missouri and then Saturday against Baylor. I will note that 109 points for Auburn on the road in South Carolina is the most in program history um, in an SEC road game. So that that shows you the upside. You know, I, I can't remember who said it on Twitter, but, you know, they had Bryce Brown and Jared Harper and that high-scoring uh, three-point record-setting team that went to the Final Four, and they didn't set this record. They didn't set an SEC, their, their SEC program record um, for points on the road in a game. Obviously, you know, situations change and every game is different. But I, I just think that shows you the upside of this team, their ability to score at a high level. They still, again, have a lot of things to figure out on the defensive end of the floor. But this, this shows what, what this team can be this season. Obviously, they are a lot better than they were before. And it shows what they can be heading into next year if you add all these pieces. And if Sharif Cooper stays... I mean, this, this guy is playing at a super high level. Um, he's going to be probably the most talented player on the floor in just about every game Auburn's going to play from here on out. Now, that doesn't mean Auburn's going to win every game from here on out. But in terms of pure talent, I mean, we, we haven't seen a guy pass like this and facilitate an offense like this. So really, really excited to see him go against some high-level competition because Missouri – now is uh, number two in the country behind Gonzaga. Only Gonzaga has more quadrant one wins, which quadrant one is like the 
um, best type of game you can play. Um, it's like playing against the best teams in the country. If you're playing against a little bit of a lower ranked team, but they're on the road and it's a difficult game, that's considered a quad one game. It's all NCAA tournament jargon, but um, they have some really, really good victories this year. I believe they've beaten four ranked teams already. And then Baylor is the number two team in the country. So a chance for Sharif Cooper to show out this week against some really high level competition. Definitely looking forward to those, those games this week and keep it locked at AuburnUndercover.com because we will have all of y'all's content um, from those games and from everything else that happens this week. So appreciate you guys listening to the podcast. Again, I'm trying to get these to twice a week. Um, uh, I've just only recently started taking this thing over, um, really trying to get it to where it's something that everybody looks forward to every week. I'm going to try to record another episode this week. Definitely let me know, leave it, leave a five-star review if you guys like it. If you don't like it, um, you know, respond to me on Twitter. When I post it, respond to me on our message board. Tell me what you didn't like about it. Tell me what you think we could improve. I've got the intro music going now. Um, that's by Mordecai, Beats by Mordecai. It's a buddy of mine from Huntsville. Um, one, of my, one of my good friends was able to hook us up with that. So appreciate him. Go check him out. I believe you can find him on SoundCloud, Beats by Mordecai. So uh, thank you guys for listening so much. That's the Auburn Undercover Podcast. I'll catch you guys on the next episode. And y'all have a great week.